0: To this reading of the poem of the Man God, the private revelation of the life and ministry of Jesus of Nazareth, now out of print, this five-volume set of books is a narration of the life of Jesus, which extends from the birth and childhood of the Virgin Mary, through the public ministry of Jesus, his passion and resurrection, and closes with the Assumption into heaven. The narration is interspersed with direct dictations from Jesus for the sake of the whole world. These highly inspired visions were recorded by Maria Valtorta around the time of World War II, yet she did not consider herself the author. They were first published without her name shortly before her death, and only posthumously was her name added. My sole aim with this podcast is to share this lost treasure with the world. I hope you will enjoy them as much as I have, and if you do, please share them. Thank you for listening. Poem of the Man, God Book 1, Number 65, The Miraculous Draft of Fishes. The vision begins once again when Jesus starts speaking. When all the trees bloom in spring the happy farmer says i will have a good crop and that hope causes his heart to rejoice but from springtime to autumn from the month of flowers to the month of fruit how many days winds rains sunshine and storms must pass and sometimes wars or the cruelty of the mighty ones and diseases of plants and at times diseases of the men of the fields So that the plants, no longer hoed up, no longer watered, pruned, supported, or cleaned, although they promised copious fruit, wilt and die or bear no fruit. You follow me, you love me, like plants in springtime you adorn yourselves with purposes and love. Israel, indeed, at the dawn of my mission, is like our sweet countryside in the bright month of Nisan. But listen, like the excessive heat in dry weather, Satan, who is envious of me, will come to scorch you with his wrath. The world will come with its icy winds to freeze your blooms, and passions will come like storms, and tedium will come like a persistent rain. All my enemies and yours will come to sterilize what should be the fruit of your inclination to bloom in God. I am warning you because I know. Will everything then be lost when I, like a sick farmer, even more than sick, dead, will no longer be able to speak to you and work miracles for you? No. I will sow and cultivate as long as I have time, then everything will grow and ripen for you, if you keep a good watch. Look at the fig tree near the house of Simon of Jonas. Who planted it? Did not find the right and most favorable spot. Planted as it was near the damp northern wall, it would have withered, if by itself it had not found protection to survive. And it sought sunshine and light. There it is, all bent but strong and proud, drawing in the rays of the sun from early dawn and converting them into nutrition for its hundreds and hundreds of sweet fruits. It defended itself by itself. It said, The Creator wanted me, that I may give joy and food to man and I want to join my will to his. A fig tree, a speechless tree, a soulless tree. And will you, children of God, the children of man, will you be inferior to a wooden plant? Keep a good watch to bear fruits of eternal life. I will cultivate you, and at the end I will give you such a potent juice that you will never find a more powerful one. Do not allow Satan to laugh at the destruction of my work, of my sacrifice, and of your souls. Seek light. Seek sunshine. Seek strength. Seek life. I am the life, strength, sunshine, and light of those who love me. I have come to take you whence I came. I am speaking to you here to call you all and point out to you the Ten Commandments that give eternal life. And with loving advice i say to you love god and love your neighbor it is the first condition to fulfill everything else well it is the most holy of the holy commandments love those who love god in god and for the lord god will have peace both on the earth and in heaven for their abode and their crown people go away with difficulty after jesus blessing there are neither sick nor poor people "'Jesus says to Simon, "'Call the other two. "'Let us go on to the lake and cast the net. "'Master, my arms ache with fatigue. "'All night I cast and hauled the net, "'and all in vain. "'The fish are down at the bottom. "'I wonder where. "'Do as I tell you, Peter. "'Always listen to those who love you. "'I will do as you say out of respect for your word.' "'And he shouts to the assistants "'and also to James and John. "'Let us go out fishing.' "'Master wants to go,' and while they are moving away, he says to Jesus, "'However, Master, I assure you that it is not the right time. Goodness knows where the fish will be resting just now.' Jesus, sitting at the prow, smiles and is silent. They form a semicircle on the lake and then cast the net. After a few minutes waiting, the boat is shaken in a strange way because the lake is as smooth as a glass pane under the midday sun.' But that's fish, Master, says Peter with his eyes wide open. Jesus smiles and is silent. Heave ho, heave ho, Peter orders his assistants. but the boat lists to one side where the net is. Here there, James. John, quick, come quick with the oars, quick. They rush, and the joint efforts of the two crews succeed in hauling in the net without damaging the catch. The two boats draw closer. They are now united. One, two five, ten baskets. They are all full of wonderful fish, and there are still so many wriggling in the net, live silver and bronze, struggling to escape death. There is only one thing to be done, to empty the net into the bottom of the boats. They do that, and the bottoms become a turmoil of agonizing lives, and the crew are up to their ankles in such abundance that the boats sink below the waterline because of the excessive weight. To the shore! Steer, quick! The sails! Watch the depth line! Have the poles ready to prevent a clash! We have too much weight! As long as the maneuver lasts, Peter thinks of nothing else, but when he gets ashore, he begins to realize. He understands. He is frightened. Master, my lord, go away from me. I am a sinner. I am not worthy of being near you. He is on his knees on the damp shore. Jesus looks at him and smiles get up. Follow me. I will not leave you anymore. From now on, you will be a fisher of men and your companions with you. Be afraid of nothing. I am calling you. Come at once, Lord. You look after the boats. Take everything to Zebedee and to my brother-in-law. Let us go. We are all for you, Jesus. Blessed be the Eternal Father for this choice. And the vision ends. Home of the Man God, Book 1, Number 66. The Iscariot finds Jesus at Gethsemane and is accepted as a disciple. In the afternoon, I see Jesus in the olive grove. He is sitting on one of the little ground terraces in his familiar posture, his elbows resting on his knees, his forearms forward, and his hands joined. It is getting dark, and the light becomes fainter and fainter in the thick olive grove. Jesus is alone. He has taken off his mantle as if he were warm, and his white tunic stands out against the green of the surroundings, which are made even darker by the twilight. A man comes down through the olive trees. He seems to be looking for something or someone. He is tall and is wearing gay-colored garments, a yellow-pink hue that makes his big mantle more showy, adorned as it is with swinging fringes. I cannot see his face very well because of the dim light in the distance and also because the edge of the mantle is lowered over part of his face. When he sees Jesus, he makes a gesture as if to say, There he is, and he hastens his step. When he is a few meters away, he greets him. Hail, Master! Jesus turns around suddenly and looks up, because the man is standing on the next terrace, which is higher up. Jesus looks at him. He is serious, and I would say also sad. The man says once again, I greet you, Master. I am Judas of Cariath. Do you not recognize me? Do you not remember? I remember and recognize you. You spoke to me here with Thomas last Passover. And you said to me, think about it and make up your mind before I come back. I have made up my mind. I will come. Why are you coming, Judas? Jesus is really sad. Because the last time I told you why, because I dream of the kingdom of Israel and I see you as a king. Is that why you are coming? Yes, it is. I will put myself and everything I possess, capability, acquaintances, friends, fatigue at your service and at the service of your mission to rebuild Israel. The two are now close in front of each other, standing and they stare at each other, Jesus is grave and melancholy. Judas, exalted by his dream, is smiling, handsome and young, sprightly and ambitious. I did not look for you, Judas. I know, but I looked for you. For days and days I have been putting people at the gates to warn me of your arrival. I thought you would be coming with some followers and that it would therefore be easy to notice you. Instead, I understood that you had been here because a group of pilgrims was blessing you as you had cured a sick man but no one could tell me where you were. Then I remembered this place, and I have come. If I had not found you here, I would have resigned myself to not finding you any more. Do you think it is a good thing for you that you found me? Yes, because I was looking for you. I was longing for you, I want you. Why, why did you look for me? But I have told you, master, did you not understand? I did understand you, yes, I did but I want you also to understand me before you follow me. Come, we will talk a while while walking. And they start walking, one beside the other, up and down the paths that cross one another in the olive grove. You want to follow me for human reason, Judas, but I must dissuade you. I have not come for that. But uh, are you not the designated king of the Jews, the one of whom the prophets spoke? Others have come, but they lacked Too many things, and they fell like leaves no longer supported by the wind. But you have God with you. In fact, you work miracles. Where there is God, the success of the mission is guaranteed. You have spoken the truth. I have God with me. I am His Word. I was prophesied by the prophets, promised to the patriarchs, expected by the people. But why, Israel, have you become so blind and deaf that you are no longer able to read and see? to hear and understand the reality of events. My kingdom is not of this world, Judas. Allow yourself to be convinced of that. I have come to Israel to bring light and glory, but not the light and glory of the earth. I have come to call the just of Israel to the kingdom, because it is from Israel that the plant of eternal life is to come, and with Israel it is to be formed, the plant, the sap of which will be the blood of the Lord. The plant that will spread all over the earth until the end of time. My followers will be from Israel. My first confessors will be from Israel. But also my persecutors will be from Israel. Also my executioners will be from Israel. And also my traitor will be from Israel. No, master, that will never happen. If everyone should betray you, I will remain with you and defend you. You, Judas, and on what do you base your certainty? On my honor as a man! Which is more fragile than a cobweb, Judas. It is God we have to ask for the strength to be honest and faithful. Man. Man accomplishes human deeds. To accomplish spiritual deeds, and to follow the Messiah with truthfulness and justice, is to accomplish a spiritual deed. It is necessary to kill man and make him be born again. Are you capable of so much? Yes, Master, and in any case... Not everybody in Israel will love you, but Israel will not give the Messiah executioners and traitors. Israel has been waiting for you for centuries. I will be given them. Remember the prophets, their words, and their end. I am destined to disappoint many, and you are one of them. Judas, you have here in front of you a mild, peaceful poor man who wishes to remain poor. I have not come to impose myself and make war. I am not going to contend with the strong and mighty ones for any kingdom or any power. I contend only with Satan for souls, and I have come to break the chains of Satan with the fire of my love. I have come to teach mercy, sacrifice, humility, continence. I say to you and to everybody, do not crave for human wealth, but work for eternal coins. You are deceiving yourself if you think I am to triumph over Rome and the ruling classes. Herods and Caesars can sleep tranquilly while I speak to the crowds. I have not come to snatch anybody's scepter, and my eternal scepter is already ready, but no one, unless one was love as I am, would like to hold it. Go, Judas, and ponder. Are you rejecting me, master? I reject nobody, because who rejects does not love. But tell me, Judas, how would you describe the gesture of a man who, knowing he is infected by a contagious disease, says to another man who approaches him unaware of the situation to drink out of his chalice? Watch what you are doing. Would would you define it as hatred or love? I would say it is love because he does not want the man unaware of the danger to ruin his health. Well, define also my gesture as love. Can I ruin my health coming with you? No, never. You can ruin more than your health. Because consider this carefully, Judas. Little will be debited to him who is a murderer, but believes he is doing justice. And he believes it because he does not know the truth. But a great deal will be debited to him who, knowing the truth, not only does not follow it, but sometimes becomes its enemy. I will not do that. Take me, master. You cannot refuse me. If you are the Savior and you see that I am a sinner, a sheep, astray, a blind man off the right path, why do you refuse to save me? Take me. I will follow you even to death. To death. That is true. Then, then, master, the future is in God's bosom. Go. We will meet tomorrow at the fish gate. Thank you, master. The Lord be with you. And may his mercy save you. And it all finishes.